Many civilizations thrived during the Age of Myth, but not so the Fire Slayers. Their god, Grimnir, the Dwarden deity of battle, was lost to them in an epic confrontation. Grimnir's form was shattered, intermingling with the molten blood of his monstrous slain foe, Vulcatrix, and cast on winds of fire to scatter across all the mortal realms. For his followers, nothing would ever be the same. Then came the Age of Chaos, an era that broke cultures apart as the minions of the Dark Gods invaded. The Great Alliance collapsed. Sigmar, the God King, retreated to the heavens, and everywhere the Legions of Chaos established cruel dominion. One force alone stood strong. They did not hide, for they were made to be tested in battle. And that was what the Fire Slayers sought marching forth to war as often as they could, hiring themselves out as mercenaries to any who had gold to pay them. From the magma holds of Akshi, the Fire Slayers spread, hewing out their own kingdoms and hoarding vast quantities of treasure. Though they were constantly besieged, no foe could penetrate their volcanic sanctums. They were without allies, for even those that hired them scorned them as greedy sellswords. Misunderstood, mistrusted, to the Fire Slayers it mattered not, for there was a secret hidden in the gold they so aggressively gathered. With every battle, their furtive and unspoken hope came closer to fruition. When Sigmar reopened the heavens and sent forth his Stormcast Eternals, they found that chaos had overrun all save the Fire Slayers. Indeed, during that terrible age, they had proliferated. And by flame and fury will they continue to do so until their final victory, for such is the binding oath they made to Grimnir. And welcome to the Garage you Tools for the next, I don't know, however long this takes. Um, <laughs> hopefully we can make short work of this. Oh, um, man. We'll just have to burn right through this, because frankly... I don't know. My expectations were not high. In fact, they were quite low. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> okay. So, before you guys get too fired up, I'm Alex Gonzalez. Oh, and I'm just done. I am... Oh, man. Those were... Oh, those puns were so dad. Seriously. Those, those, those puns were so dad, they ate all the lunch meat on the way home from the grocery store. Like, uh, it was that... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry they come up short in your... <laughs> So we should probably talk about what we're talking about. So we're talking about fire slayers. Yeah. Um, hey, you know who we should? You know what we should do though? We should probably thank our sponsors. Yeah, that's probably a really good idea. Yeah, let's do before this before they get upset. All right. So as always, you can take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. I'm just do that like that. I think that's going to be the new thing. You like that? That's, that's hot. That's hot. Let's go. Who else? Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs, all your MDF needs, and all your cool, cool tokens needs. Yeah, uh, with like the burnwood effects. Yeah. And Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. There's always something happening at Grognards. And they are now open for curbside pickup, so we can talk about them again. Not that we yes, couldn't before, but it was pointless to, to waste their sponsorship episodes when they weren't open. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that they're open. 
So Me too. Hey, because, yeah, well, you'll be getting the Sylvaneth book soon. So, not Sylvaneth. Uh, not the Lizard Man. Seraphon. Sarah, I knew it started with an S, but I'm tired. And, um... Uh, no, I'm, I have not been drinking today, so we're not going to say that. But I've had a good time, and I drove for seven and a half hours today. So, <laughs> uh, I don't have road rage. That's a good thing. Uh, oh, listen, you know who else we should thank is our Patreon sponsors. Our Patreon sponsors who are that 1%, those people who think this show is actually worth something, and they uh, make it known by their help for this show, making this show and all the nonsense we do with it possible. I want to thank our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and Lance Pear. Our executive producers, Colin Miller and Andrew Frank Husen. Frank Husen. Uh, he did He did tell me how to pronounce it. It's Frank Husen with an emphasis, uh, the, 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 putting that, that stress on the hue, Frank Husen. So now I know how to say it. Also want to thank our newest patrons, and boy, check this out. James Glover, Jake Corman, Astral Dino, Albine Ostrom, uh, somebody who just put A, like just the letter A. And, Canadian. <laughs> no, not E-H, just the letter A. Um, and I want to I want to take a moment to thank all of them for jumping on as patrons. I also want to give a shout-out. We had a generous one-time donation from David Ganner, um, and we've had people doing that uh, lately, you know, what with uh, people on lockdown and people getting, you know, like apparently they're home and they're really relying on entertainment and, and this counts and they're listening to this show i know oh man you know i tried to i tried to make a youtube video um uh, doing some bits and bobs and stuff but i just oh i can't get all this i don't know how to work all this stuff like i just can't make it it's everything come out crummy and so then i wanted to have brandon come over because him and his brother do like video stuff and then they can't come over so I was like, "Son of a gun!" So, working on something. Um, Trying. Hopefully, it'll it'll be out soon. Um, I was looking at the old YouTube videos. I haven't done one in forever. I, I I don't look the same. So that'll be an interesting video when that comes out. So, trying to do what we can do. Then to thank everyone who's listening, everyone who has been a patron, everyone who was thinking about being a patron, anyone who was not thinking about being a patron, and of course, everyone who is currently a patron. Thank you for all you do for Garage Hammer. And guess what, Alex? Guess what time it is? No. It's, well, I was going to say time to get ill, but you don't have to guess. It is time for voicemail, and we have two of them. <coughs> voicemails if you listeners not you alex don't don't call leave a voicemail you have my phone number if you want as a listener to leave a voicemail for this nonsense you just have to call one seven five seven gh show six that's one seven five seven gh show six you could even pause the show now go leave a voicemail come back and then listen to this nonsense you won't be on it because i haven't gotten it yet but it's you would at least feel like you did it or you can wait till the show's over because, really, honestly, we're already, what, 10 minutes in? This is gold. You can't miss this. But here. This is Urgold. Come on. Now. This is Urgold, which, you know what? I like the explanation of that a little better in the new book, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, we're going to play this message here. Hey, this is Mason, uh, Crew Caber. I've been listening to you guys for a while now. 
Uh, I've been wanting to leave you guys a message, but I don't like calling people. Hope you guys are enjoying your quarantine. Hope everybody's doing good, everybody out there. Hope you are not going too crazy. <clears throat> Just wanted to thank you guys for the good work you do. Keep trying to keep in touch with the community. Hopefully I can see you at Depticon next year. I was going to try and meet up with you this year, but eh, that's how life goes. Guys, keep up the good work. Have a good one. Okay, now that was a, I got that message. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, we're all getting together. We're all getting through this quarantine stuff. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. And hopefully we will see you at the next Adepticon. Uh, we got one more. This one's a little bit long. Uh, I believe this is Jake. So, um, yeah, hold on a second. Here we go. Hey, David and Alex. My name's Jake. Uh, just driving into work, so I guess that's a good thing. But uh, no, I just started recently listening to your podcast a few months ago. Just got back into Warhammer a few months ago. I used to collect high elves as a kid, and I thought it was cool, but I mean, I would play it, I guess, a couple times, but never really did much. And uh, I don't know, a few months ago, just started, uh, wanted a new hobby, and thought about painting miniatures again. So realized that the world I knew was no more than Sigmar had developed. I uh, was a little skeptical at first, but I got my wife to start playing, and of course she picked Siege, so that's been rough. But um, yeah, we played a couple games. It's been a lot of fun. It's been giving me something to do, especially with you know, the coronavirus hitting. I'm uh, a new doctor in training at a hospital in New York, so it's been pretty wild, and it's been nice to have a new, you know, a new hobby, something to help me focus the mind and keep my mind off stuff. I just finished listening to the Cities of Sigmar podcast. And uh, that was the first army I picked up coming back. So I left the ILs again, and I thought that might be the closest. But, you know, the, really the only unit they had was the Phoenix Guard. And while I got a Phoenix and painted some of those up there, pretty fun. But it just wasn't, I don't know, for me, the lore made it seem like you could have, like, an army of elves and dwarves together. I thought that would be super cool aesthetically. But it ended up, I don't know, maybe I just didn't understand. But it wasn't as fun of a team, so... They said, uh, I don't know, I was reading a random article, and they mentioned uh, Lizardmen or Seraphon now, and I know I've been obsessively purchasing all that, and I can, and we got a couple more games this weekend, my first with them, and it was very fun, and I listened to your uh, podcast on my drive back to see my wife, who lives about 200 miles away from me, and with coronavirus, I don't see her very often, so it was a nice, uh, a nice distraction on the drive. Anyway, I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, you guys do a great show, and... Helping me to get back into a hobby that is very complex and very fun and helps me take my mind off stuff. I hope you guys are having And I'll listen to the next episode. All right, bye. All right, there we go. Two voicemails. Two people listening to the show, liking the show. See, that, and that's, and, and why wouldn't you? Let's face it. This show is awesome. Uh, this is literally, by the way, uh, as we mentioned, it is episode... Uh, 240, uh, episode 240, at 24 episodes a year, that means this rounds out, completes 10 full years worth of episodes. Now, obviously, next episode will be our anniversary, because that's the actual date, but, man, 240, Two, 10 years, haven't missed an episode. Sometimes they're late, haven't missed an episode, haven't gone on hiatus, haven't done anything. 
It's fantastic. I'm, I'm, dude. I'm excited. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm kind of, I'm kind of jazzed that we got, we're hitting, we're hitting ten years. Ten years. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you know, after we do like the next couple of episodes, we will be the longest running Warhammer Fantasy podcast. Period. To finally get the title. And even the other guys who hit ten years, they, they were they there was some hiatuses and stuff. So, all I'm saying, I ain't saying, I'm just saying, been here forever, uh, ain't going nowhere. I don't think, you know, God willing, knock on wood. But um, yeah, man, ten years, that's bananas. Um, I don't know. Oh, and then dude said, uh, first guy's like he doesn't like to, he doesn't like to talk on the phone. You know what? Harrison was telling me that today. Like, like when his phone rings, he just automatically hits reject, which like sometimes like even like before he even notices it's me or his mom, he'll hit reject. Like all, the kids today, all they do is text and message and direct message. Like they don't call. I thought that was weird. I don't know about you, Alex. I just thought it was weird. Kids don't like they don't talk on a the phone. They don't like to talk. Like I told him to call this place. I'm like make sure they're open. I don't want to call. Why not? I don't like talking on the phone. Well, dude, just call and see if they're open. No, no, no. I don't want to talk on the phone. It was the craziest thing. Like, I, I don't know if it's all kids today or if my kids are just weirdos. But uh, hey, speaking of which, weirdo, can you give me a Coke Zero? Thank you. Um, oh, for the love of Pete, I need a beverage. So um, I don't know, but that's the thing. Don't want to talk on the phone. Um, I don't know. Most of the kids that I know are in a mental health hospital. Oh well, so I got no good comparison here. I'm just glad that honestly, they're not probably not that enough program. So no, well, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that because yeah, yeah. That's a little too hot for the show. Yeah. Anyway, too much. Yeah, yeah. Too fiery. So uh, let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we are going to dive into the realm of the fire slayer. Uh, we're going to recap their lore and uh, talk about, you know, all 13 units. All right, we'll be back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back talking about Fire the- Slayers! Mm, no. 
See, that's fire and slaying. That's what's happening right there. That's the magic of sound effects. <laughs> that's no. No, 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 no. Because, like, if you think, if you go that way, like, you obviously, I go for fire because, like, burninating, and then Slayer is in the band. So, <laughs> how's that? That sounds like a Dwarden snoring. Let's no. not do that again. I was watching Bill and Ted's. That's whenever they do that. It's not like that kind of noise. I don't know. Listen, I don't know anything right now about that. All I know is that I read this dumb book, and uh, I'm starting to... Uh, I kind of like this lore, and I like some of the stories in here. Almost makes me want to play them. And then I look at the list of actual models, that, what I can take, and I'm like, well, you know, I actually like a list of models that has an actual list of models. But I, I listen, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So this one, like, okay, so full disclaimer, I'm not a big fan of Dwarden. Um, it just doesn't get me hot. Oh, um, my goodness. Dude, I got a bunch. <laughs> oh, I, I can um, tell. You're totally full of it today. The little, like, Magmadroth eggs of information that you get about really w- what the Urgold is about yeah. um, compared to, like, previous incarnations or incinerations. Um, just, dude, I had so many questions. Remember we talked about this? And it's like I went through the book and I read it and I'm like, oh, hey, thank you. It was like they went through and answered all my flipping questions. Yeah, there's a lot of good little nuggets of information um little golden nuggets but um i don't we're not gonna stop today this is no kind of fantastic yeah i'm gonna keep chucking along um any event so i don't i didn't particularly enjoy like the full-on narrative of this book i'm not gonna beat around the bush on that okay um but the little snippets to like really round out what they're actually about as opposed to just being heartless mercenaries or anything like just the money grubbers. But it really, for me, like fleshed out what they're really about. And then most of the backstory we already know. Yeah. I mean, we can kind of go through some of it. There's a few things. I'd, I mean, I definitely went through and I highlighted and I want to talk about stuff. Heretic. Heretic. Uh, these books are not forever. And I understand this, but you don't highlight a book. Yes, you do. That's what highlighters are for. Highlighters are for highlighting paper. No, 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 no. I tell you what, if my students buy a whole book and then they go highlight on something else because they're not going to mark up that book, uh, that no, uh-uh, no, no. The book is a tool just like anything else. And unless you're getting some first edition copy that you're going to th- like hope to sell later. No, 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 no. I'm not no. saying you should dog ear all the corners, uh, you know, no. but no, you mark the stuff that's important so that we no. can go back later and you can find it quickly. Trust me. I'm a teacher. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the books. I'm an English Hell teacher. Hell to the no. Uh, Good Lord. No. Oh, okay. Books are sacred reservoirs of information for the most part. Like, there are some that are definitely easily replaceable for toilet paper. However, most books you really shouldn't be marking up. That puts you into another book of grudges. Okay, listen. You're my friend. 
and you're my co-host. So I'm, you can be as wrong as you want to be. I won't argue with you. Just understand that if there is a, a, a core, a spot, a place in this universe that is absolutely correct, you are currently at the spot farthest from it. I'm just letting you understand that. Okay? I get that. Okay. But there is a special little circle in hell for people that highlight books. Okay. Well, so I guess <laughs> there's a whole place for just English teachers and, 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 and college students, I guess. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. We're bored college, the audience. I didn't even nope. highlight a book, but that's besides the point because I wanted to resale. Well, that right. explains a lot of things, but I'm not going to go into that either. All right, listen. Ooh, hot. hot. Hey, listen, I just aced my second class at grad school, so I am I am so on fire right now. I know what I'm talking about. I'm just I'm I am the king. I am feeling good. I'm on break from class. I'm reading Fire Slayers. I read this entire book today. So I needed to highlight so I can go back and see things. I am I am I am I am fired up and ready to go. Ready to Great. ready to shave a crest in my head and kill anybody who questions it. Just like they are. Let's go with this. All right. Fire Slayers. Obsessed with two things. War and gold. Okay? I like the little bits in here where they talk about how uh battle is an aspect of their actual religion because they worship Grimnir, who is just a, a warrior. And quite quite a and, and quite a hothead. Um, they always need to be at war. If they can't find any of their own enemies to fight, they will seek the conflicts of others. And this falls into they're not just mercenaries for the gold. They need to fight. Like the gold is a good thing, and it's something that they want and they need. But they're looking for a fight no matter what. Um. I like that they talk and they compare them to the uh, to the Dwarden. Uh, they compare them to the Dwarden of old with the craftsmanship and stuff. And this is an interesting bit, something I really liked in this beginning. Um, they are just as stubborn. They give just as much deference to age. They take umbrage at the least offense. They believe matters of oaths and honor are the utmost importance, just like regular Dwarden. They are also expert miners and blacksmiths. They fashion their homes beneath the mountains, but none of that stuff is important. It's like it's it's important, you know. They they take pride in their work. They're very good craftsmen, but w- war is the job. War is the purpose, the point, everything. These guys are warriors through and through. And unlike other Dwarden who. Um, put their life's effort into their craftsmanship sometimes into their creations. That is all a means to an end. And that's a big difference in um in in Fire Slayer culture from other Dwarden, from the dwarfs of old. I I uh, I found this to be a fascinating little piece of their story. In fact it even talks about how if you see a a, a, a Fire Slayer hold, like where they've carved out their place, compared to other Dwarden work, it's not as nice. It's not as polished. It's not as refined. It's still better than anything the other races make. It's still better than human work. It's still better than a lot of these other races work. But it doesn't have that... that, that it doesn't st- have the clean edge. Right. It doesn't have that top-notch quality that the other Dwarden races have. And I find that to be very interesting because that's a big... that's. 
I mean, it's not a bit, it's a small but significant shift in opinion, attitude, way of living that I find really interesting. Um, well, it also plays into what they're about. They're not about defense, which Dwarden and Dorbsvold have always been historically like defensive armies. They're not aggressive nat- naturally. Like, they'll go and march out as far as their legs will carry them, but. These guys are like actively engaging and actively yes. seeking things out, whereas the dwarves of old were usually more insular. Mm-hmm. So it's a different perspective as well. But even like even compared to like the Karajan, they'll actively set up like trades and markets and stuff like that. But these guys, they're essentially selling their services as warriors. But to anyone who can pay. But they don't eat you afterwards, so they're not necessarily like Ma tribes. True. But they actually gave a purpose to why they would take contracts, even if they're not necessarily getting the most in return. Or if they, they're going against people they have fought with before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, when they talk about the origins, um, they talk about Grimnir's, they're Grimnir's children, Um I like this. Is, some say they were just created out of his incandescent rage. Um, they do have this, the the prototypical Slayer Mohawk, which is dyed and held in place by a waxy substance. Each lodge maintaining and jealously guarding their own secret concoctions for such purposes. So they these guys even keep you know I mean, Dwarden craftsmanship has always been you know something that they keep uh you know it's it's something that it has value to them that they don't necessarily share a lot of the hows and whys they do things and these guys don't even share how they make their hair gel uh but it does say that they will cut your head off if you make fun of their hair so make mock the mohawk and they will kill you yeah um i and i, I just I, I love in here some of these descriptions you know um, how the strongest of them are, so, and and when when they got the runes hammered into them, some of them have so many runes in them that they start to glow. Like they actually just, the runes are glowing. Their beards start burning. You know, uh, cinders are dropping off their skin. Like they are just fire and rage and destruction incarnate. It's it's I, it's pretty cool. Like. It- it doesn't sound right when you think about it for a Dwarden to be one of those things, but to commune with Grimnir, so this is channeling the spirit of a war god, it kind of makes sense that they sound really like almost cornate, as it were. Yeah. And one of the things that I like about this is that they don't they don't care about politics, which a lot of a lot of old Dwarden stuff, there's a lot of politics going on. Here there's not. And as you read through the book, there really isn't. There was a lot of, a lot of, you go back into the old world, or the world that was, I should say. And there's a lot of politicking between the different Kadaks. And here, they don't care about that. They're kind of isolationist. They have no empathy for other people. I found that to be fascinating. Just this, a complete lack of empathy for other races. Um, to not be able to have, I mean, for an order army, and I guess there's a couple because the Eideneth don't seem to have much empathy for other races either. Um, 
but that's just an interesting thing. Um, I, I don't know. It just it struck me when I read that to to, to to not be able to have that sort of feeling for any other races um, that they take they take money from places that other people would not take money from, um, and they don't and they, and they they're happy to let the all the rumors and the lies about them go around because they're hiding the fact of the of what they're actually doing and what Urgold is and and why they're trying to collect that. Um, that's I, this is a nice introduction right here. First few pages have really got me caught. Um, it wasn't anything new, but um, it, like you said, it's those little bits of description that uh, that really sort of I'm like I started to wrap me up uh, as I was reading this. Yeah, the where they talk about like the death rights, even on just on page eight. Um, where they talk about that it has to be cream that their dead have to be cremated, uh-huh. um, and it's I look at this as it's kind of like it's got some very stormcast echoes to it, and I only say that because when they die, their bodies are cremated. This is where they can be reforged again during the Doomgron, which is like the final battle, um, which is something that is still reminiscent even of the old world or the world that was Dwarden, um, we're talking about all of their ancestors rising up for the final battle against Chaos. This is kind of a continuation of that. Um, but it's they're going to be judged on who will be remade, who is worthy enough. So that's why they still try to emulate these great deeds and do these things so that they could just come back from the dead and fight again. Right. Um, yeah, I noticed that too. I also really liked, um, just that whole idea that they burn the runes, like they burn through the power of the runes. And then when they're done, they get burned up too. Like everything goes back to this idea of this fire, this burning wrath. That's a part of their essence now. And this, this gets into this whole, with the fall of Grimnir, which let's talk about this because this is great. Um, Long before the ending of the world that was, Grimnir had sung his death song. He ventured, so we're talking. We're talking old. This is like pre. This is when he went off, and this is the stuff before Gotrek even went over there and found the axe. Uh, Grimnir had sung his death song. He had ventured alone into the Northlands, seeking to close the polar gates that spewed forth chaos and allowed the minions and warping power of the dark gods to pour forth into reality. During his journeys, Grimnir's battles, deeds of valor, and tests of will were beyond count. Lost and bewildered by the insanity of the realm he had been drawn into, Grimnir did not complete his mission. However, such was his fiery determination and indefatigable strength that he was neither slain nor driven mad in the attempt. Um, and so he goes in there and he's wandering through chaos. He's just lost. Right, and all of a sudden he just wakes up in Akshi, surrounded by his people. Um, and he was happy to be back, and that's when he starts. Um, like he's the one. Like he basically started listening to all the. the, the they needed him. His new Dwarden needed him, so he started being their god, doing the things he should do. He chains Ignax, the god beast, which we talked about. God, it seems like years ago, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was in the Rome Gate Wars. Yeah, Shackled to the Land of the Chained Sun. Um, other stuff is there. Now, this is an interesting little bit. Exactly what occurred during the event known as the Thangduagi, or Thangduagi. The Great Betrayal is unclear, but the Duarden Pantheon broke apart. In the aftermath of traitorous acts, Grimnir and Grungni were left shackled on the tallest mountain. So we don't know exactly what happened, but something something went wrong. And these two, the two Dwarden gods wind up chained to a mountaintop. Uh, Sigmar takes them out, or takes them you know, out of, you know, he, he unshackles them. And uh, Grungni is going to do... You know, do help for him, wants to help him. Grimnir wants to pay the debt right now and demands to be told, give me something to kill so I can make up for it right now. Um, Sigmar knew if he named anything that Grimnir considered unworthy, it would be an insult. So he named the like one of the toughest things he could think of, something that was giving him a lot of trouble, uh, realized it was a bad idea. And here's where the story, I think, gets really interesting, okay? Um he sends him out to fight. Uh, what? What? Who did he fight? Um, Vulcatrix. Vulcatrix. That's the name, right? Which is like the mother of all salamanders. The, 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 basically, it's the it's the it's a, it's a fire god beast, right? Basically, yeah. If you look at page nine in the book, mm-hmm. um, we've all seen this artwork. It's Grimnir flying through the air, his hair and axe ablaze, going into this massive. Um, cinder monster and the ground is rent beneath them there are creatures escaping the destruction this is one of the first pieces of artwork that we got from age of sigmar and it's still probably one of the most iconic it's this game it's great um you go through this and it talks about the different stories of what he did before going off to battle volcatrix um so he actually Kills Vulcatrix, but in in her death throes, as she's flailing about and dying, she uh, she destroys him as well. Now, what's really interesting is they basically kind of both blow up. All that heat, all that energy, all that fire. He kills her. She blows up. Takes him with. Um, the, it completely redoes the map. It levels things. It brings other things up. Like this is destruction. Of two titans, um, and just the, the actual force of their own destruction changes the entire map. Okay, um, what's really interesting is this. This says this Nova-like event ignited the magics of Akshi. So this explosion was so over the top that actually. It affected the magic of the realm. Um, and that much heat actually forged their two spirits together. So Grimnir and the great salamander's blood, which apparently is like a liquid metal, are bonded. And I don't think this was in the old book. It kind of was. Okay. Um, um, but... The impact of what they're saying here, and I think we have we didn't have something with which to compare it to at the time that this book was first released, like the original Fire Slayers book. This is like Necroquake level event. 
Yes. Because it didn't just affect Akshi and turn it upside down and inside out. This event touched all realms. Because the streaking bits of ruin, fire, and metal go into all of the realms of... uh, All the realms. And it's just this massive inferno is essentially what happens in... So it's just trying to process that kind of little in the age of myth is one thing, but to have it actually happen lately with the Shyish Necroquake, that's like the kind of monumental thing we're going on here. Yeah, and I haven't I didn't think about comparing it to that, but you're right. It's that it is that level and think uh Nagesh worked on that for what, thousands of years. Thousands yeah, and this of is years. a happenstance. This was a battle between these two beasts. Now his spirit the the fire is so hot that not only does it rearrange the lands of Akshi, his spirit and the liquid metal blood of Volcatrix are fused together. And as this blood goes everywhere, when it hits the ground, it kind of seeps into the ground and gets into the into the into the actual realms and gets into the gold streams. And it bonds with it, which is where we get Urgold. Um, but you also had all these stuff shooting apart, and um, you get the magma droth eggs, uh, which kind of shot out from bits of her too. These things, um, but so they're not just. So when they're out there doing all these crazy jobs for gold, that's not what it is. A gathering of Urgold and the subsequent release of its powers is nothing short of a religious act. This is fantastic. They know that. They know Grimnir's spirit is in this Urgold. Uh, and this was questions we asked right in the beginning. So, Because I said, well, what happens when they use it all up? Is he gone? Is he dead? What happens? Um, this is So when they go into battle and they use up the power of this, this is a holy experience because it's not just brings them closer to the spirit of Grimnir. But it frees his, his the spirit parts that are tra- so as they burn it up and use it and burn it out of the gold, it goes back into the ether. It doesn't go back into more gold. It doesn't go anywhere else. It goes back and uh, if they can release the energies of enough of the shattered fragments, this would ensure his rebirth for the final battle, the Doomgron. So they are releasing his spirit, and it is all going back to like a place. Like they're they're trying to release enough of his spirit. Where he can reform, where he can recreate uh, himself and come back for the giant final battle. Um, and also, what I think is interesting is, uh, and they say it somewhere here in the book, and I don't remember exactly where, um, but the the magma droths, the magma droth eggs are part of the other stuff that got shot out of when Volcatrix exploded. Okay. Uh, these little black spheres, scorching hot eggs that would one day give birth to magma droths. Because of the fusing of Grimnir and Vulcatrix, even though the magma droths are wild animals, they are not beasts of burden for the fire slayers. They are more like animal allies, almost like familiars. I don't want to say exactly familiars because they don't use that term in the book. But... They're it's wild. more like a bond of kinship, yeah. Because they kind of share a sake, like a they ancestor. share a common ancestor, yeah. 
So it's like there's there's an ally uh, feeling to it. So it's like they're not they're, it's not like other stories where you read where they just sort of subdue them and ride them out as as they're they're much less like orcs subduing the big pigs or the um, chaos warriors and stuff getting the the, the juggernauts. This is more of a Stormcast and a and a Dracoth. Yeah, so they do a trust fall. Yeah, well, no, I mean they these guys don't. They're, you know, Dwarden aren't trust fall types. Um, but you know, yeah, it's a very short way to the ground. <laughs> exactly. How you get? But by, by the time you realize they're falling, they're already there. <laughs> yeah. So no, it doesn't work. But there is a bond there where it is. A, like I said, they're more. Companions and allies than master and and beast, um, and I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I do like that they put this in here because when you first see this army, it's like, why is a Dwarden riding a lizard? This doesn't make any sense. Nope. Now it does. Yeah, there's because it, and them. they do talk about this where they talk about that there are a lot of their cultures that will revere Volcatrix as well as Grimnir because it's, again, it's a common ancestry that their existence would not have happened without Volcatrix. Mm-hmm. So for them, the Magmadroth relationship is kind of like a continuation of that relationship. Yeah. Um, and then we go to talk about the Magma Holds, which is what it's their version of a Karak. Um, they actually can their their religious their their priests and stuff can actually control the flow of lava and magma, and they use that a lot of time to to start stuff and tunnel things out and use that um they gather up all this ur gold now when you burn through the ur gold, what you're left with at the end is just gold like once you burn out all of the essence of grimnir you're left with just gold, and they have. A lot of it. Um, and this they talk about, a lot of these magma holds, you will find huge just golden statues, tributes to their gods, to other things, because they ha- they don't, I mean, there's only so much you can buy, and there's only so much you need, but they have an excess of gold because they're trying to collect these scraps of Urgold. So these holds are full of giant golden statues, golden objects, um, because they got to use it somehow. Um, also, the magma holds were one of the few places that held together during the Age of Chaos. Uh, the other Dwarden were forced to flee. Um, Grimnir's followers, um, you know, they dude, they got lava all over, forming barriers. They're, you can use it as a weapon. People trying to crack the mountains that the Fire Slayers live in, they weren't cracking it. Now, the other guys, the followers of Grunge they didn't have all this lava stuff. They didn't have a secure. A lot of them got cracked. Those guys wound up having to bail and either wound up running and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of them became the Caradron overlords, basically. Mm-hmm. Because or they uh, became the dispossessed by fleeing to Azir. Or the, yeah. Um, but you figure, you know, if these guys are, are worshiping Grunjni instead of Grimnir, um, you know, he's he's more the, the, the smith god. He's the guy who builds stuff. So it makes sense that the overlords would kind of come from his his worshippers. Um, 
now they talk about uh, the lodges. They talk about the Fire Slayer lodges and that type of stuff. What I found interesting is that um, you don't. No, it does. There is a little nepotism. You do. It is. It is passed on hereditarily, father to son. Okay. Um, but these guys will have a ton of sons, and these sons, whoever has the most glory, will be named the new rune father when he passes away. Uh, well, he'll name them obviously, hopefully before he passes away. Uh, if they, if the rune father doesn't name a rune son who will be his, who will inherit it, you usually wind up with trouble because they have a lot of sons. Because a, how do you become the rune father? Prove your worth in battle. So he, the, he has a lot of sons, but he also loses a lot of sons. Over the course of his life, um, and those who do survive, uh, you know, are really tough and trying to win. And if he doesn't name them, they will start to fight over who is. Now, if he does name one of his sons as the successor, the other ones will often take a small group and leave and start their own thing. And it's not out of spite or anger. It's just this is what they do. I'm not going to be the leader here. I'm going to go lead a new. And, and, and I'm going to. I'm going to go open a new franchise somewhere else and spread us around so we can keep looking for Urgold. Um now, what I find is interesting is if a rune father dies and has no declared heir, uh, a lot of times that lodge will fail. Hold on. Um, because if he doesn't declare an heir, nobody knows who's going to take over. Uh, rather than fighting, that one just sort of dies and they all grab some followers and leave. Now, if these fire slayers... Uh, they can either follow one of his sons or go to another lodge, or they become a Grimnine. I like this. Oh, God bless America. Sorry about that. I don't know why I'm sneezing so much. Um, they become Grimnine, and these are Dwarden, and that means fated wanderer. And these guys abandon home and hope they roam the mortal realms with the aim of meeting either a new purpose or death in battle. This is similar to, but not as fatalistic as the doom seeker um these um, now are these they're, so they're not like the old type slayers they're not looking for doom in battle because of anything that was a dishonor or a disgrace they just don't have a home and if they don't want to start a start up fresh they just wander looking for death or glory do i have that right you do uh i think the best comparison is that it's still related to fire um, cause fire spreads uh-huh. and this is the unchecked flame that just kind of does what it does until it dies. Okay. That's how I, I look at this is like their hierarchy and how it works with, they keep burning and making more burning and making more. And then some new flame will keep the original flame going while new flames spread. That's how I look at it, the wandering Dwarden are that unchecked burning that gets away from the main flame, but eventually piddles out as opposed to continuing on. Like when you got a campfire and something yep. pops and the little sparks and embers, embers fly out mm-hmm. and they just sort of, okay, interesting, interesting. Nice, nice way to work it with the, the fire thing. That's pretty clever. I like that. Yeah. Um, they do talk about female Dwarden, females, there are females among the Fire Slayers. They are born in disproportionately low numbers. 
And the few who have claimed to have seen any say they are every bit as hot-headed, impetuous, and battle-worthy as the menfolk. Um, they are the masters of the hearth, healing, brewing, and magmic defenses. Some privileged travelers tell of fire queens who hold mighty powers. But of such things, the warriors of the feards will not speak to members of other races. Um, there's other interesting stuff here somewhere in this book that mentions about how they're looking to uh, possibly revitalize the uh, female uh, healing god of the Dwarden. And I'm like, oh, Valia. Yeah, let's bring her back after Nagash ate her. Do you think that maybe that's the great betrayal? Um, back when they both woke up uh, chained to a mountain? Yeah. Well, wasn't she already dead? Didn't she die? I thought she died in the end times. Yeah, but Grimner was technically dead a long time ago. No, he just got lost. Oh. Um, See, but they so, found that body, and I thought Nagash was in there and stuff. Like, I really thought she got eaten by Nagash. It could be. It could be. I mean, that would make sense. If you want to, I mean, you know, hey, we can we can retrofit this any way they want to. Yeah, no, um, they could totally retcon Velia, or we could just, you know, see Undead Dwarden at some point. True. And but I would love would... to see Velia come back. She was... I I I, th- I thought she was fantastic. Um, let's see what else we got in the history here that stands out. Um, I love how during the Age of Chaos, the one race that actually multiplied and prospered were the Fire Slayers. They 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 just I mean, fighting makes them better, and I mean they're very orky in that way. I was about to say the only other things that really prospered during Chaos was Iron Jaws. Bone splitters to a point, and then maw tribes. And then, that like and actually, then these guys. so it's basically all the destruction armies and fire slayers and fire slayers because they they are they are pretty uh, they are they could be a destruction army, except they yeah. actually care about something other than. Actually, Other than fighting for fighting's sake, yeah, they're not fighting for fighting's sake. They're fighting because it's religious, because they're trying to free their 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 god. And it's still they prefer settlements as opposed to yeah anything else. It's like that weird comparison. It's like why does order encompass you know Marathi these guys? Well, because a they hate chaos. Yeah, they don't jive with mutation and demons, right? They don't like dead people. And they do form a society because that's really the only difference. You look at all the destruction armies. They love to fight. They love to do this. A lot of them don't care for chaos either. But they also don't build anything. I think that is the huge difference. Like, Gloomspite is clearly the agrarians of the destruction. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you know, I mean, orcs don't really build stuff. In fact, when we read the last book, they despise cities and walls and stuff like that because that's just for the weak. Mm-hmm. And ogres, man, they just... Uh, they just eat everything. Exactly. They're, they're, they're one step above animals. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like them, but they're one step above animals. Orcs are more civilized than ogres. That's, that's a crazy thing to say right there, but they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but then these guys, yeah, they're just... They multiply. They get stronger. Um, 
There's some pretty great stuff in here. Uh, now, in fact, there. When you talk about how they survived the age of chaos and people just could not crack their mountain holds, it reminds me of the end times with the the final stand of Thorgrim Grudgebear and those things, where they just they threw everything they had at him, and he's like, "Nope, you're not getting in here." Uh, and eventually, in this one, Zinch sends in agents who get in, basically faking being some of their own brethren, and then get inside and start messing things, doing what Zinch does best: infiltration. And 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 then undermining things from the inside. Um, I also love that Nurgle creates a new disease that only sticks to gold. And if touched, the infected metal drives mortals to distraction so much they would kill any kill one another to possess it. All races that cover, coveted gold were susceptible to the disease. Its grip on the fire slayers who already suffered from glimmer lust. Proved especially deadly. So, I mean, the the Chaos Gods made special stuff to target these guys because they were such a pain during the realm or during the time the age of chaos. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, where it talks about the the temples and the heart uh, the heart of the hold. Uh, let's talk about that a bit before we take a break. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you got the Forge Temples, and that's inside the 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 their the magma holds. At the heart of it are their te- Forge Temples. This is where the constantly work is going on, constantly stuff's being built, being made. Um, now, they all have this. Uh, they all have this this main forge with this fire that burns constantly within it. Um, and the forges of the Fire Slayer's ancestors were akin to those of other Duarden, you know, stuff that Grungeny taught them to build. But when Grimnir blowed up, this, in fact, this is right here, this, this I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't see it. This goes totally with your, your description of the Necroquake, right? So they've mm-hmm. got, you've got all these Duarden holds, you've got all their fire in their main holds where they're building stuff. When he explodes... The firestorm that swept the realms ignited something inside the forges of those in Akshi who dedicated themselves to the god of battle. This was known as the Zarkul, the master flame or first fire. Those who tended this divine spark became known as the Zargrim, the priests. Okay, So it literally it sent a shockwave through and the fires in there became this crazy magical fire. Like, not only did he blast stuff everywhere, but the hearts of all their forges were infused with him. Which is, once again, that that blast that spreads out from that center point, like you said, like the Necroquake. Um, And uh, this is what's going on here. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Then they start talking about how the the Rune Masters are the guys who can spot the Urgold uh, they're also the guys who hammer it into your your skin, um, and then you got rune smiters who are not the rune masters. The rune smiters; these are the guys who go to battle and actually activate the runes. This is another interesting thing that they they mentioned it in the old book, but here it becomes much more defined. Is that mm-hmm. the power is there constantly, but it's latent? Like you can feel it when you're hammered into. Plus, it's got to come right out of the forge and go right into the skin. It's got to be white hot, 
because it's not just they're not just sticking it into your skin. It much like the fusing of Volcatrix and Grimnir, it is fusing and becoming one with their body. It's not just burning and sticking into the burnt skin in a hole it created. It's fusing with their skin, which I think is really cool. Um, it really goes back to that, uh, the, you know, the stuff that happened to them before. So it's in there, and you can feel the power, but it's activated by battle. And so when you go out to war, the rune smiters go out there and start doing their chanting and their things, and this is when it kicks in, and it's then they. That's when you get the whole. It reminds me of sort of like Bane a little bit from Batman. I must break you. No, not the not the girl. That's not Bane from Batman. That's Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. Um, no, but the real Bane in the comic books, where he turns up and he gets juiced up, and that's when he actually physically gets like larger and stronger and 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 more more dangerous. Right. Um, you literally on the battlefield, you've got one of their priests who is out there chanting and 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 basically turning the runes on in the middle of battle. Um, and hulking the boys up. Yeah, they totally get juiced. Um, and so this is what now. What's in, what's in interesting here, which is one of the things I like, is now we we talked about how the, they're no longer battling when they were fused. Now Volcatrix and Grimnir's essence intertwines. They're they bonded and it became something newer and stronger. Um. Oh, and then it talks about the Necroquake, which did all sorts of stuff, uh, boosted the elemental powers of the Zargrim, and their war chants can now summon new and more potent... Ma- okay, so we talk about that. Um, steering the membership of the Lodge. Um, and it talks about the power. Um, and I don't know if it's here or later, where they talk about how first they made weapons out of it. Yeah, because they didn't fully understand. Like they knew there was a connection between the Urgold and Grimnir, mm-hmm. but they didn't know a hundred percent what it was. So over time, they started initially fusing it into their weapons, but it got to the point where they put it into their skin, and that is when they really saw the potential. That I'm not just wielding the power of Grimnir as a weapon. I am becoming the power of Grimnir. Exactly. By expressing it through battle. And when they express these runes, it's that divine communion with the spirit of Grimnir as they release it through. It is a holy and religious experience. Right. But it also is addictive uh, because of the obvious thing is where you feel like you're a god. The rogue uh, slayer thing. Well, it's the out. Rogue Slayer, but it's also just like that glimmer lust where you become so addicted to it mm-hmm. that it's like a constant fix to the point that that's all you think about. It's all you want is more and more runes pounded into you so, so you can. Well, and not everyone can do that. They, um, a lot of the guys, it's not so bad because you can only take a few. They can only take a few. You know, it says you got to be something special to take dozens of them. But you mm-hmm. can take only a few, but you know when it's starting to wear off. You can feel when you're just not getting the same boost you did, and you're going to need new runes. Um, but I love this. They talk about the Doom Seekers. Uh, warriors who have pledged to leave their lodge and seek a mighty end. Many do so heroically, but no few have gone mad. 
Uh, and they mentioned a few. These are called Doomvarags. And Doomvarags are rabid lone wolves that would even kill other fire slayers so they could prize the runes from their remains. And it talks about that later on in the book, how these guys, they lost it. Like they were actually killing their own people. Um to feed their fix. Yeah, in fact, when we get to the to the timeline and it talk, it's uh, fire blooded brothers. It's crazy. Like that, this is dangerous. Like you're running a fine edge here with this uh, stuff mm-hmm. uh, between you know harnessing the power and becoming. They all get slightly addicted to the power, and why wouldn't you? I mean, you're you're literally communing and feeling the power of your god. Um. Why wouldn't you want to keep feeling that? Why wouldn't you want to keep using that boost to get you out there and battle and become even you know closer? Um, but yeah, for these people who become obsessed with it and fall prey to it, it's scary. Well, it's one of those things that either you can burn up and fade away because you cannot handle that much power because you're only a mortal shell. No matter how tough you are, there's a certain point where you're going to burn out, uh-huh. literally. Or you become so addicted to your fix that you go off this weird, horrible end. Or you just take it and just keep going and going and going until eventually you burn out. So there's like there's three paths you look at. But uh, and the third path is like you can be tempered back. Like there is a process and the rune masters have to keep an eye on the ones that they feel might be getting a little out of control. And they have to like detox them a little bit. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot going on with the with these guys with with this particular aspect of their of their existence. Pretty cool. Um, should we take a break? Yeah, we've been going a little while. Yep, let's take a break. We'll be back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And flames and, and and gold and all sorts of awesome burnination. Burnination. Thank you. Good word there. Um, 
All right, you know, a lot of this is still recap. Let's 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 kind of do a quick little go through here. Uh, Born of Flame talks about the, the going through the realm gates and the different uh, lodges and the first forged. And some of the things that they did. Um, it's interesting, but it's nothing that's, that's super brown, groundbreaking or completely new. I would say you could totally go through and read a couple of these pages on your own. Um, yeah. No. The only thing that I would mention with these is that these are the significant locations that the original lodges started. Right. Um, and then they broke down into the various lodges that we talk about when we get into the different allegiances. Because there's four primary ones... The Vostarg, Greyfeard, Hermdar, and Lofnir. And these are the biggest of what's left. Right. Is really what it is. Like the original, like this is the second, uh, these are the successors to Vostarg the original. Vostarg is fires. like the like, most populous. They are the guys, there's more of them than any others. They're sort of like, they're like the poster boys. Yeah, they're the for ones with the orange hair. Yeah. Um, they're the ultramarines of the fire slayers. They're like the guys who you just see, like when you when if you see a poster about them, this is one of the guys you're looking at most of the time. They are the most numerous. They are they're out there. They're they're what people think of when they think of fire slayers. Uh, the Greyfeard live in uh, Shimon, right? Mostly, they have obviously they have their connection to Akshi, but most of their stuff is in Shimon. They are also very close to Hammerhall Aksha. Um, they have a magma hold there. There are a lot um, of builders, right? They are, they're like the primary mercenary mm-hmm. exemplification of the fire slayers. These are the ones that are the most cell sorty. They'll fight for any cause as long as their price is met. Um, so in a way, they are the most successful compared to the Vostargs, but they also have like really bad reputations <laughs> so yeah it says here they no longer mine and only the zargrim priesthood and all those who would be battlesmiths will still work the forges everyone else is going to fight it's crazy um all right let's let's jump ahead a little bit um soul wars we're talking about that how uh, Sigmar comes in and starts, you know, when the chaos goes, Sigmar shows up and it, it eases the tension on them because basically they were the main focus. I mean, chaos had kicked everybody else's butt. And so chaos was just had them under siege, had them going. Uh, Sigmar shows up and, and chaos now has to focus on Sigmar. So this takes the, 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 the pressure off, which allows them to mount a lot of counter attacks and stuff like that, and they they really they become a pain in the neck for chaos. Um, more like a pain in the knee. No, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> um, you know, some were closer than others. Some built stuff up. Uh, it talks about uh, how Nagash. Um, Hates everybody now because they're stealing souls. It talks about the Necroquake. Um, the Necroquake messed them up because yeah. their places were impregnable, and all of a sudden the Necroquake rolls th- through, and suddenly there's ghosts. Yeah, that don't care about stone, that don't care about rivers and flows of lava. Yeah. It's just so basically the Necroquake. The defenses are suddenly useless. Yeah. 
exactly. against ghosts. The Necroquake birthed a race of enemies, or not birthed them, but made them much more numerous and made them right there. Suddenly they showed up and started wrecking face, and it's like, oh, no, this is bad. Um, what else? Uh, like so some of the magna, magna holds fell. Um, the warriors or, of the Zufak Lodge completely underwent the Grimning. So the, yeah, because in Shayish, the magma holds there, they got the worst of it. Uh-huh. But a lot of their eternal flames went out. Oh, that's right. That's right. The eternal flame, the stuff that we talked about earlier when, when, when Grimnir exploded and these eternal flames happened, it says that a lot of them sputtered. But the ones closest to the epicenter in Shayish, some of those went out. And when that happened, your forge is gone. So they all just became slayers. Yeah, for the Zufnak or yeah. whatever they call it. There are some others, like the Ulrung. They are like, nope, we're good. We're going to come out and get you some. And oh, yeah. they're going to try to escape Shyish only for the purposes of like visiting vengeance. But they, in a way, they have to like start burning through all of their Urgold much faster. But they can't use it because they're always fighting so they can't they don't have the time to re-equip as it were right because now they're under constant siege from night haunt yeah it gets crazy um let's look at the timeline uh i mentioned it earlier age of chaos let's talk about the because uh, i mean we all know the others a lot of the stuff you know the age of myth okay yes the Followers of Grimnir find him. It's the recap that we've already been talking about. But then you get this. The Fired Hand Lodge is driven mad in the first case of Glimmerlust, turning upon their rune master and giving in completely to an insatiable hunger for Urgold. Yeah, that's a bad sign right there. Like, okay, this is worst case scenario right happening here. For decades, the Firehands raid other lodges throughout Ashi, prizing golden runes from the remains of their brothers. They do not observe the pyre rites on either their own dead or the bodies of other fire slayers, even desecrate forged temples in their plundering. Only an alliance of a dozen lodges, led by Vostarg, brings the Firehands to justice. The treacherous lodge's rune father is buried alive in molten slag as punishment for bringing dishonor to Grimnir. That's one of the best stories I've read in this book. That's crazy. I want a book. Like, I want a novelization of this. I want to know, I want to see the crazed, you know, almost like zombies, you know? I mean, not like zombies because they're weak and they're shufflers and they're, and they're and, you know. It's like a ghoul. Yeah. I mean, they're literally going after their own and just ripping out the parts of them they need. They're not following any of the rights. They've become animals. I mean, they are just, they are animals at this point. Instinct and destruction, all, I mean, they're, they're terrible. And then they've got to get 12 lodges together to put these guys down. Think how crazy powerful they were that you need to get 12 full lodges to attack this one lodge. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're ripping Urgold out. I mean, they were, must have been so jacked. Because they're just, yeah, I mean, it, it, oh, I love it. I this story, oh, I want to hear it. I want this story. Um, I had one other that stood out. Is there anything that stood out for you in the timeline? Not really. Okay. Um, 
Oh, a couple of things. Uh, the Lightning Oath, once we get to the Age of Sigmar, Fire Slayers of the Tangrim Lodge stand beside the hammers of Sigmar, defending a hidden realm gate from rampaging Bloodbound. They're paid in coin from Azir, and it contains traces of Urgold. News quickly makes its way to all lodges. Now all the lodges want to work, want to come to Azir. These guys who are very insular, they find out there's Urgold in Azir, and now they want to have a part of it. Because they've got nobody in there. Now they need to get people in there because they need to get the Urgold. Um, the other thing that really stood out to it was the Duardrasal. Um, this is where um, during the one of these battles, uh, the Vostarg Lodge not only ensures the victory, but they also, the it, it, they did so well, they got paid double. Because they did so well. During the week-long Goose Fest that followed, they invite the Dwarden cousins from the city and even extend an offer to an allied Caradron overlord's fleet. So much magmalt ale flows that many songs are sung in the old language, but young rune son Rolf lets the cups get the better of him, divulging the truth of Urgold and Grimnir. Now, I read that. I was like, oh, man. So finally, it's in the middle of the age of Sigmar. That one of these guys gets so drunk, he actually lets the secret go. To the Fire Slayer's surprise, such knowledge only gains them support and eventually leads to the Duardrasal, the unification talks which ripple through the Duarden populations of Azerheim to the skyports of Shaman. Dude, that's an important bit of story there. There are talks of reunifying the Duarden. That's That's huge. You get these guys all back together again? You got your you got you you get the overlords and the fire slayers and the dispossessed team up? Dude. They're going to be unstoppable. No, you can stop them. Nah, 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 nah. You just got to move 5 inches. Oh, yeah, well, you'd know about 5 inches, but that's not my story here. Um Heck, I wouldn't know about five inches. What am I talking about? But this is this is going to be great. Like, if this ever comes to anything, look at all the other books where they unified these guys. Now, obviously, they're not unifying them right now because it, it just came out in this book. Oh, I would love that. Oh, well, you on. can technically do that, though. I know you can, but it's it's not the same. Yeah. It would be soup. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm sorry. I'm just jazzed because I remember in the in the I remember the world that was when the toughest race out there, especially in the end times, who proved themselves. They just stood up against everything and took it and beat them all back. What are the dwarfs and? Uh, that's not how I remember history, but okay. That's it. You can remember it however you want. They they won the war of the beard. They won the they win all these other wars. They they got the concessions, and then when they got attacked by every darn evil thing, they held them off. They beat them. They shoved them away, and the book of grudges was getting smaller because they were they were ascending to a higher level, and then the world blowed up. Um, uh huh. They just couldn't reach that level, is what you're telling me. Well, they were short, but they were doing it. They were getting there. Uh-huh. Um, oh, and then you get this thing that now they're now there's these rumors flying around that Grungeny is is back. Um, well, he is though. Yes, but you start to see this, but people want to find out kind of where he is. It's said that he's uh, 
back from out of exile, and he's founding a new stronghold, uh, and he's making something really important, and they don't know what it is. In fact, I love that the rumors here said it could be a new Duarden bloodline or a great machine or a way to bring back the missing goddess of the hearth. Yes, this... that's why my handle is Spirit of Grungeny, because he's the coolest of these three. Man, he can do just about anything, given enough time. Um, all right. Fire Slayers at War. This gives the, the breakdown of the of the lodges, the Fire Slayer lodges. Uh, you can go through this yourself. Basically, the Rune Father's in charge. Um, you get Grimrath, Grimrath, Berserkers, and Doom Seekers in one section. Uh, you got rune masters and rune smiters in another section, and then you got the rune sons and the battlesmiths, and then the, the three actual non-heroes um, in the in the main section. Um, do you want to talk about these uh, the different uh, the different unit type, not the actual units, but like their their the, the lore on them, real quick? Yeah, we can talk about the narratives ever so briefly. Um, so, I think the important thing is to start with. Obviously, the leaders of the lodges, which are the Rune Fathers and the Rune Sons. Um, the Rune Father is the most successful war leader. He is the one that is in charge. He makes the decisions um, and he keeps everybody in line. That's really what his job is. And his job is also to amass as much Urgold as possible. Yes. Because, again, trying to release the spirit of Grimnir. So, so they can bring him back. Yep, you got to get the gold, and you got to go to battles. Yeah, Not just to earn the gold, but to release him from the gold through fight. And that's really what the Rune Father is about. Like, he may not be the best warrior, but he's the most successful leader. Yes. Um. And he's got the key, that super weapon, which not only has little slats in it, which can actually break. The enemy's weapons, if he gets it caught in there, but it's actually is a literal key opening up the heart of their, of their, the magma holds. Yeah, it opens the vault. Um, so it really is the key to the kingdom, as it were. Um, now, his sons, which are obviously, as you might guess, the Auric Rune sons, they are constantly trying to prove themselves and outdo each other. Because they want to be named Rune Father mm-hmm. when the current Rune Father croaks, so they are constantly trying to outdo each other. They're very hot tempered, um, and they're prone to like arguments and disagreements amongst each other because they are just trying to again outdo themselves. So in the presence of other Rune Sons, they will go a little extra notch above. And there's, and that, there's also a reason why the Rune Father will have. Dozens of sons. I mean, there's there's some of the stories in here talking about guys who have over 50 sons. Because, A, a lot of them die. Yeah, because they're trying to prove themselves to be worthy, even if it's, like, to the point of being suicidal. Right. And then those who don't are constantly, you know, I mean, you want to have these, you know, they're, they're strong. They're out there. They're getting the job done. Um, and these are the guys who are going to eventually move out um, if they don't be, if they're not named the successor to the Rune Father, they're the they're they're the they're the spark that's going to come from that flame, and move and start its own fire. Hmm. So these are good things. We like these things. We like this. Yeah. Um. 
And then it talks a little bit about the magma droths and how we're kind of connected to them, or the 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 fire slayers are connected to them. Um, we can skip that. Uh, you want to talk about the Zargrim, the Duarden priesthood here? You want to talk about the Rune Masters and Smiters? Um, no, you can take them. Okay. Uh, the Rune Master is the High Priest, and these are the guys who craft the runes and hammer them into their flesh. Unlike a Smiter, the Master... Okay, this is an interesting thing. The Rune Masters are the one... Uh, sort of unit one sort of uh position where then they all have these fiery tempers and i'm no, i mean we've talked about this they're from the realm of Akshi. everybody is hot-headed and has a temper because that's part of the whole makeup of the realm these guys have learned to control it these guys have learned to 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 control that that fire within them uh, using their wisdom and their knowledge and their connection to Grimnir himself to give counsel. But to, in order to be a good counselor, they cannot be as hot-headed as everybody else. And I think this is an interesting bit of information here, is that the Rune Masters really are probably the most under control of all the Fire Slayers, because they need to be. Um when they go to war, he's the guy who can be on the battlefield, uh, and he can actually move lava. He can boil people's uh, blood in their bodies. He can cause the the lava underground to rush forward. Um, he really sort of is at one with those elements, but he keeps it in check most of the time. Um I like, should a rune master sense foes carrying even the smallest trace of Urgold, he'll call the Galtha Baraz, effectively declaring a holy war upon them until they get that back. I like that bit. Um, yeah. It was a rule that they had when they first came out, and it didn't 100% make sense initially. It does a little more now. Right. Uh, what else? I also don't understand why he doesn't have a mustache. I do, I, okay. I, I don't like this drawing. And I don't think I like this model. I'm looking for a picture. I of don't. No, no, because it looks like this guy. Yeah, it is the one that looks. Ju- I mean, the model itself looks just like this dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. That's not. No. No. This was the. Mo- In fact, this was the model that came out when when I saw this one. I'm like, I didn't think I liked the whole line because this was one of the ones that come out first, and like this is the hero, and I'm like, I just don't like it. I, of of this entire line, the Auric Rune Master is my least favorite model in this line. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of weird. Like, why? 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 It's strictly not... because of the face. Yeah, the face is a big part of it. No, no, it is. That is the biggest part of it. Is that it looks more like a Doizar or Chaos Dwarden. But the other part, part is it even in the drawings and stuff, like you got that little side view and it looks like he's wearing a thong. Because he is. I, yeah, but still. The rest that's of... just the chonk, man. Yeah. Do not get upset with his chonk. Okay. No upset with the chonk. Okay. Let's go to Rune Smiters because I don't like that guy. Um, <laughs> they're the war priests. They're the ones who go out and on the field. These are the guys who activate the runes during battle. Um, they're chanting, they're bringing it out there, they're releasing the energy. Uh, that's their gig. That's this really what they do. Um, they're very important 
to the overall success of the battles because they are the the guys who make the, they're the guys who get them pumped up literally as the battle's starting. So we're there. Uh, let's see. You got Grimrath Berserkers, and they are the Lodge's greatest warrior. They are considered the battle fury of Grimnir made manifest. I love that description. And that's really what they are. These are the most successful fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be like exceptionally hot-headed of a Berserker to even go down the path of the Grimrath. Because you have to petition the priesthood to take the trial of wrath or it's the test of wrath which is where they have these extra runes pounded into you and it's so dangerous that the priests almost always say no until you wear them down enough improve yourself enough that they'll say okay we'll try it but if you die well yeah we said earlier they most most of them can only take about three active runes most Fire Slayers can take about three active runes on them. Now, once those burn out, that's why when you see on the models, they've got like a dozen in them or so. They don't have a dozen active. Those are the ones that have burnt out. They've still got the gold in them. I mean, you could pry it out, I suppose, but a lot of these guys have a sense of pride how many they've got. Um, These guys have a a dozen or sometimes dozens of active runes in them. And these guys, these, they're, yeah, these are the... The completely bananas. These are the demon slayers from the old, from the old book. That's what I think of these guys, sort of. Yeah. Um. Uh. They're just they're harsh. They are harsh even by Duarden standards. Like uh, other people think Duarden or Fire Slayers are gruff and rude and stuff. This one, even other Fire Slayers, are like, oh, stay out of that guy's way. But why wouldn't he be? He's got roid rage. Literally. Yeah. And the, the description they have of them is, quote, at best antisocial and at worst insane, Grimrath Berserkers find their purpose in the heart of battle. They are just a weapon. Yes. But they are also the closest ones that – and they seem to get stronger and more powerful as they get surrounded by enemies. So, like, most other people would be like, well, I'm going to get weaker because I'm surrounded my flanks are exposed, et cetera, et cetera. These guys are like, no, 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 no. This is where I live. Yeah, actually, the worse the odds get, the more pumped up these guys get. They're kind of like the Hulk, because if you if you know, like, and if you if like, I'm and I'm just I'm not just comparing them in like size or stature. If you because you can't right. If you know the Hulk, though, like if you know the comic books, one of the coolest things about the Hulk is the more you beat him, the more you hit him the angrier you make him. And the angrier he gets, the more powerful he gets. And so that's kind of what happens here. Put him in a bad spot. Surround him. Try to outnumber him. All the stuff that you would normally do to your enemy that would be an advantage, uh, it just upsets these guys, which gets them more worked up and gets them more violent and makes them more dangerous. And, you know, who, who doesn't like that? You know, especially if you got to go to to battle with one of these guys on your side. Yeah, I would just try to stay out of the way of that axe, though. They thrive on the most dangerous and worst parts of the battle. The parts that other people don't necessarily want to get into because, wow, you're going to die. That's where they that's where they live. 
Yeah, and I think this also plays into the stubborn defiance of the Duarden by nature. Is that this is that oh, yeah. embodiment, not just of their fighting spirit, but also that they're going to go into the worst spots possible and stand there. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, what else we got in here? We've got uh, the Battlesmiths. These guys, I look at them as like they're the runesmiths almost because they're the guys that keep the history. They're the ones that bear the icons of Grimnir, like, and that's their honor. It's like how the Lodge rallies to the image of their storied past. And he's a great warrior, but he's also the living memory of this Lodge. All Lodges have an oral tradition. This is the guy who knows it. And mm-hmm. so when they go to battles, I mean, he's still, a, he's still a warrior. He still can fight, but that's not his main job. His job is to observe. His job is to remember what happened, know the names of the fallen, know those who were did, did exceptionally well. Like, and to become a new battlesmith, you have to know your lodges. Like, you have to learn the entire history of your lodge. Yeah. Uh, and once you have that, then you can go and add to it when you go out to your own battles. Right. And his stories, his chanting and recalling of the glories of old pump those nearby up even more it fills them with more resolve to do things and it's a point of honor that they have this position but it's also that icon is so sacred to them that they will protect it at all costs it should the bearer fall oh yeah yeah this is at the very least when we like when we talked about uh Cities of Sigmar last time. Uh, this is at very least like the importance of, of saving your banners. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got Doom Seekers. Um, these are the guys that uh, the Barazak Doom. They take the Barazak Doom, which is the Doom Oath. These are Slayers. These are like the slayers of slayers, like the d- traditional this what is, you would expect from a slayer. This is Gotrek. Yeah, I mean that's what it is, right? I mean, I mean whether you, I'm not whether you like him or not. No, he, no, no. He took but the comparison to, is accurate. He took an it, oath to find glorious death in battle as a result of shame. Yes, that he pursues this, and we saw this model originally released with the Silver Tower box set. Um, and I had initially thought it was just going to be like some one-off, but then when it was reincorporated into it and given like that full explanation of what this guy really is not just some Dwarden that has a weird pick and uh, axe, but it's like, no, this is like your traditional slayer. So I find that really cool. And his job is just to go out, seek a worthy end. Um, and he's kind of like the literal crazed berserker. And he just gets angrier. The more you hit him, the more injuries he takes, the longer the fight lasts he just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter until like the flame in his axe or in the war iron um, transfers from the axe to the war iron. And like he starts a blaze and you can see the energy coming off of them. That's when he's the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, Doomseekers, wasn't that, I mean, the, the old, the models from uh, 
the world that was when they did the uh the they game. were the guys with the whirling axes that actually looked really cool but were a pain in the arse to assemble because it was just this little chain held in a very tiny fist on a very small model i have uh, at least a dozen of them uh, and i didn't and those things came and went before i started pl- i started playing at the end of 6th edition like right as yeah, 7th they came, came out, out in storm of chaos yeah uh I've managed to collect it's a bunch later. of them because that's like my favorite model. Those guys, all the different pose guys with those chains holding the axe, like they're just everything I love about Slayers was in that model. And then this Doomseer comes, I was like, oh, that's those guys again. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, why don't we hit the last bits of infantry and then we'll take uh, we'll take another break bef- and then we can come back to talk to talk war. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing is there's only like three different case or casts of yep. fire slayers. You have the Volkites, the Hearthguard, and the Auric Hearthguard. So, and they all have a different job. Like the bulk of the Volkites, the bulk of the Lodge is Volkites. Um, Volkite Berserkers, they're basically stock standard warriors. Well, they're still pretty elite for most races, but these are your yes, grunts. But you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, we've gone through every everyone we've talked about as far as, like, rules go. Everything we've mentioned so far is a hero. Yeah. You have literally three non-hero type units in this game. In this book. Or in this, in this army. Um, and this is the battle line. The There are... You could potentially have two battle line units in a, in your army, depending this, on what your general is. Yes, but it, even if you don't take that type of general, Volkite Berserkers are your battle line. You're gonna have if you if you don't make the Hearthguard or the Auric Hearthguard uh, into battle line, if you don't take the right general, then you're gonna have three units of, of Volkite Berserkers. They are your stock standard, your basic. They are the troop choice in this army. Mm-hmm. Um, they're nothing. I mean, they're, they're not bad. I'm not complaining uh, about them in particular, other than that that you, you don't have many choices for your battle line units. Um, Hearthguard berserkers are they? Be, they're they're your elite versions. Um, they usually okay. Uh, if the Volkite are your troops. Your Hearthguard Berserkers are your elite troops that they're, they're actually the bodyguards for uh, oftentimes for the Rune Father. Um, this is like the difference between Saurus and Temple Guard, basically, ain't it? It is. Yeah. Um, better weapons, better trained. These guys will willingly sacrifice their lives to protect the Rune Father and the Bloodline because, again, this relates to like traditional Dwarden where the family is the most important thing, the ruling clan. Um, these guys are the ones that will protect him. Um, and again, it's exactly what you said. It's This is the difference between Temple Guard and a Saurus warrior, or an Ogor and an Iron Gut. Um, yeah, right. Or a Glutton and an Iron Gut. So that's really all they are. And when they're near their charges, they fight with extra determination with an even more stubborn refusal to die. So. Yeah, and then you get the Auric Hearthguard, which are the elite guys, but they are the protectors of the Forge Temple. 
And those are the guys who have the the magma guns, right? Yeah, they're the ones with the magma pikes. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they'll hit they'll hit you with that stuff and slow you down and stuff like that if you're a monster. Well, if you're a monster, but it's also they can use the magma pike to like build um defenses around troops to like create walls to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um then obviously taking down big monsters is kind of the thing that they do too. Right. But literally that's it. That's we just described every unit in the game. We've talked a bit about all of these in the book or in the in the I mean yeah, in the book. For well for if you're playing this army. So I I know I keep saying in the game I'm because uh, because before we go to commercial real talk, this is the problem I have with this army. Is there's like 13 units and 10 of them are characters. And there's a number of them that are repeats, but on a lizard. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, the Oric Rune Father, the Oric Rune Smiter, and the Oric Rune Son have a foot and magma droth version. Yeah. And that's one kit. You got six, six different unit types in the one kit. You can put one on a magma droth and put two on their feet, or depending on how you break it up, maybe only one on their feet. Um... And then what else? You got the Battlesmith model. You got the Doomseeker, the, Doom the Grimwrath, and the Rune Master. Yep. And so that's that makes nine. No, the Battlesmith. That Doom makes Smith, ten. Yeah, that makes ten. And then you, and then the three units of dudes. Three units of dudes. That's this. this, this, this the army lacks variety. <laughs> Adding the um, Battleforge and the three. Um, Incantations, the right the there are three there are three versions of the endless spells basically. Yeah, adding those helped, but I think the biggest issue I have had with this army just in general is that I can't tell them apart. Oh no, kidding! I get it. They're all slayers. They've all got long orange beards and they're all naked. The only way you can tell them apart is by what weapons they're carrying. So you have to memorize that. Yeah, and you have to pay real close attention to it, and a lot of times they will get lost in their units because it's uh-huh. very much the same thing, unless it's on a magma droth, because then it's a little obvious that it doesn't belong. Yeah. So if you're a Fire Slayer player, you have to really pay attention to where your characters are, because there might be like some unintentional gotcha moments in your games. Right. And like I said, I, I, I like this lore. In fact, I was reading, and I forget which, which characters they talked about, the ones who wear the skull skull faces. Oh, that's the uh, Ulrung. Uh, that actually made me, like, if I was going to do an army, I would either paint the, all their faces with skulls on them, or because I, I don't sculpt. Otherwise, I would sculpt little skull faces, masks, and just put them on all of them. Um, because I was reading, I'm like, that's really cool. I like that. Um there are things that inspire me with this. And they're Dwarden, and I love Dwarden. So, yes, and they're Slayers, which was when it was when they were Dwarfs, Slayers were my favorite. I had enough Slayers before I sold all my medals. I had enough Slayers to just play a Slayer army um, because I love them. And But guess what? In the old Dwarf book, there were just the Slayers, not including all the other types of Dwarves. There were four kinds. There were more of those in that you had two that were regular troops and then one that was a hero and then one that was a lord. Um, 
You had the, and then they added the fifth with the Doom Seekers, right? Because you had the Troll Slayer, the Giant Slayer, the Dragon Slayer, and the Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had different levels. Because if you're just starting out as a Slayer, you're considered a Troll Slayer. You get a little older, get a little stronger. Then you have the different levels that you could pick. Um, and then what, they could even take different titles, mm-hmm. like their version of Magic Artifacts and stuff. Was you are now a Beast Slayer. And or you are a Skaven Slayer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it was. There's very cool stuff in there. I just and we're going to get to that when we come back and we start talking about the what these guys can do. Um, on the table, on the table. It's just. I'm sorry. There's a lack of variety here that keeps me from wanting to play this army. And yeah. If you and- like this army and you love, I'm, I am not bagging on it. It's a cool army. I want to love this army. It's got cool rules. It's got interesting stuff. I just, I, I would like a little more variety. Mm-hmm. And that's my beef with it. Like you said, I, you can't even tell the models apart. Like, yeah, it's just, it's a thing. It, it's a definite thing. So let's take a break. Let's come back and dive into the war. Okay. Sounds good. garage hammer shirt who cares about him look at that guy with the garage hammer hoodie that's right guys nothing tells the ladies i'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear so hurry to garagehammer.net slash store and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about remember boys first you get your gear then you win all your games then you get the chicks that's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. So we're back, and... Well, technical difficulties abound. We were actually thinking about making this one long show, lore and war, and that's not happening. Uh, I am here by myself, re-recording the end of the show, um, days before the next episode is actually due out, because of just nonsense. So, (laughs) okay, folks, um, we will be back shortly with Fire Slayer's War, but this here is going to wrap up the episode only because I can't do the other half by myself. Heck, I can barely do the other half with Alex. Um, I, you, uh, look, you, if you know the show, you know why. I'm not even going to play. <laughs> but um, just want to uh, thank all of our sponsors again. Chaos Orc Superstore, Six Squared Studios, Grognards Games. Uh, Grognards will be having commercials again soon uh, because they are open now for curbside pickup, which is awesome. And I think the store is going to be opening for you to be actually able to go into the store, which is an amazing thing. So once we start rolling out episodes in June, 
the Grognards Games commercials. We'll be back. Um, that means a lot to us, the, just because our local game store is open. I know you're like, oh, boy, commercials. But, you know, Todd and them are amazing people, and we're just happy that um, that they're getting by and doing okay uh, during all of this uh, nonsense. So uh, I'm going to just wrap it up here. Uh, definitely want to thank all of our Patreon patrons, those people who are part of the 1% that make this show with all of its foibles and technical difficulties and nonsense happen. Uh, our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and Lance Pear. Our executive producer, Colin Miller and Andrew Franquizen. Oh, goodness. Let me say that again. Uh, our executive producers, Colin Miller and Andrew Franquizen. And our newest patrons, James Glover, Jake Corman, Astral Dino, Albin Ostrom, a, and that wonderful, generous, one-time donation from David Ganner. Thank you all for your generous uh, caring and giving. Um, it 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 always it 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 always amazes me that you guys think that this show is worth that much, and I do appreciate it. And Alex does too. So listen until uh, a couple days from now. <laughs> Only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garage hammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at GarageHammer. And Alex, that's me, is at SomeKindOfGeek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the GarageHammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.